there, parents and kids. It is Miss Andy. I'm here with Mr. J. Welcome on. We want to welcome you to Wise for Salvation, the podcast aimed at initiating conversations between kids and parents around the Word of God. This season on Wise for Salvation, we've been walking through Pastor Dwayne's book, A New Baptist Catechism, and we hope it's been a great resource to encourage conversations around God's Word. Yeah, 2 Timothy 3.15, it's our foundational verse for this podcast. It says that the scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And to help us talk about God's word this season on Wise for Salvation, we have been using a little book called A New Baptist Catechism. And so along with, um, uh, with the questions and answers in the catechism, there's a scripture passage, and we've been We've been reading those questions, reading those answers, reading the scripture, and then kind of explaining the answer a little bit more. So uh, we're going to do that on today's episode, and we hope that you are encouraged. And I'm so happy to have Miss Andy here with us to lead our episode. All right. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, Today, we will actually be answering a parent question. All right. Every once in a while, we, you know, we get finished with a section of the catechism. Then we will take a week to answer a question that has been submitted by some parents. And we want to hear from you, parents. If you haven't submitted a question yet and you would like to, there is a link in the show notes as well as in our weekly OD Kids email where you can do that. And we are looking forward to receiving those from you. Uh, are we ready for today's question? I hope so. Buckle up. Because here it is. It feels like our kids are constantly in conflict with each other. How can we help them deal with conflict so they don't grow up to hate each other? Well, I'm, I'm going to have to guess on this one because I have three boys. They all get along really well. There's never any conflict. Our house is very serene. Um, of course, I'm joking. Uh, all parents can relate to this reality of conflict in the home. Uh, our boys do get into it on a regular basis. Uh, and so sometimes um, it feels like you should have put a, a whistle on your baby registry knowing what was coming. Uh, sometimes I, I wish I had a whistle to referee everything going on in our house. Uh, kids, you know, you get into arguments, disagreements, fights, you offend one another and you speak and act in unloving ways. Uh, so here's the reality. Moms and dads do that too. So so why don't you hear adults screaming at one another and intentionally trying to aggravate one another? Well, sadly, hopefully you don't see that too much in your home, but it happens. And as you look in the culture around us, we see it happening sadly more and more, it seems like. Um, even your mom or dad has probably struggled to respond to conflict in a Christ-honoring and neighbor-loving way at some point. Adults struggle with sin too, right? So many adults, however, have learned to better handle conflict as they've grown up, as they've matured, as they learned a few things. So we're going to talk about what that looks like in helping parents and kids do that today. Yeah. And dealing with conflict in our parenting, there's there's kind of two ways to go about it. There's reactive and proactive parenting. And there's always some kind of reaction. Conflict arises it makes us do something. It makes us feel something. That That's only natural. Um, there, there's really no way to get around that. Now, there are good and bad ways to react to the conflict. Um, I think a lot of parents feel that it is their job naturally to be the judge, jury, and executioner. It's up to them. They hear the case. They 
lay out all the details. They determine who is at fault. They assign appropriate punishment. They feel like it's all completely their responsibility. What does proactive parenting look like when it comes to conflict? And in other words, what do I mean by that? Uh, How do we help our children respond in Christ-honoring and neighbor-loving ways when they find themselves in a conflict? Kids, um, this may come as a, a shock to you, but God gave you your parents so that they could help you love God and live in ways that honor him. And part of training you and helping you is to help you to know how to reduce conflict and how to respond when conflict arises. Um, Just as an aside, if you're looking for a resource in this area, uh, Peacemaking Ministries and Relational Wisdom 360, those are some good places to start. Um, And as we were preparing for this episode, we came across a helpful article by a woman named Corlette Sandy who works with both Peacemaking Ministries and Relational Wisdom 360. She's married to Ken Sandy, uh, who you may have heard uh, is uh, has written some books uh, in this area as well. So the article that we came across walks through walks us through three skills of conflict resolution. And so we're going to walk through those briefly today. All right. So the first skill that they mention is when a conflict arises, surprisingly enough, the first skill is to overlook it. That's right. Believe it or not, there are times, boys and girls, when it's just best to overlook something someone has done or said that offended you or was unjust. This language actually comes from Proverbs 19.11, which says a person's insight gives him patience and his virtue is to overlook an offense. Now, what does that mean? Well, it's not quite the same thing as ignoring it. It doesn't mean that you pretend what they said and did never happened. It means that you just left it behind and you didn't look back. You're making a choice to move on. Interestingly, this reflects how God graciously deals with us, with his people. Yeah, and in Micah seven eighteen, it says, who is a God like you? Forgiving iniquity and passing over, it's the same word, overlooking rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. It means that that you choose to forgive that person without even bringing the offense up. It's an act of love. And we, we see this command uh, worked out in the New Testament in 1 Peter 4, verse 8, where Peter says that love covers a multitude of sins. So there are going to be times where uh, in a loving way, you're going to need to forgive someone who's offended you without even bringing the issue up. And that's called overlooking it. This can be a really, really hard thing to do, even for adults, um, because emotions can run hot. But it it takes a lot of practice, a lot of self-control to just take a minute, take some deep breaths, maybe count to 10. Sometimes those things can just calm you down. Remember that you love that person. Uh, Now, some of us are wired to demand justice, and that is not a wrong thing. God God is just. uh, And there are some times that it, it is best to bring an offense to light so there can be a punishment. All these situations are are unique, but sometimes the most loving thing to do is to Take a minute, calm yourself, remember that you love that person, think about it from that person's point of view, 
and don't keep dwelling on it. Really move past it. Really forgive them in your heart. We want to be remembering the gospel. Christ paid for all of our sins on the cross. He's not still thinking about them and angry about them, but God has moved on from our sins. So if Christ, who was perfect, came and died for your sin and for mine, we can follow his example and show love and compassion towards someone that has offended us. That's right. So uh, in a sense, Christ is able to forgive our sin because he absorbed that offense in himself on the cross. Uh, every sin is first and foremost against the Lord. And then secondly, it's against our, our neighbor, right? And so in, in some way, as you're overlooking that offense, you're, you're following Christ's example and you're absorbing that offense and not holding it uh, against them. Okay, the second skill if, if overlooking is, is just not happening, the second skill is to talk it out together, child to child, right? If the child can't overlook the offense, or maybe he, he or she shouldn't overlook the offense, the scriptures direct them to go and talk with the one who offended them. And, and as a side note, uh, this skill also applies to a child who, through some kind of self-examination or awareness, sees the log in their own eye, so to speak, and realizes their offense against someone else. So if the child realizes they've offended their sibling, it's entirely appropriate for them to go and talk with that sibling about the way that they offended them. Matthew eighteen fifteen is the primary text here. If your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. Again, we're training our children in these skills. It's It takes a lot of practice, a lot of learning, a lot of repeating. This process is going to take a lot of time, and it must be modeled for them as well as explained and repeated. Yeah, so modeling is so important, kids. It, you need to see this, see your mom and dad doing this. Moms and dads, maybe when you're doing this well, it's, it's a way for you to, to highlight that in front of your in front of your children. But there is a lot of of training that goes into this, right? You're, you're going to need to be having conversations with your kids on a consistent basis about what it means to uh, to forgive and to uh, act with charity and kindness towards others and uh, how to absorb an offense and, and how to speak to someone who's offended you. There's, there's a lot that will go into that. To talk it out together requires humility and gentleness and grace and patience, all of which are typically scarce or developing in our kids. But when developed, this skill is important in helping our children become peacemakers. If you're still, if you're like me, you still probably struggle as an adult in some of these ways. I'm, I'm not the most patient parent on the planet. So, so we want you to manage your expectations, obviously, as you're encouraging and talking with your kids. It's going to take time. It's going to take consistency. It's going to take just a regular diet of you coaching and encouraging them for them to get the hang of this, to know how to be able to have these conversations with one another. All right. So the last skill we're going to talk about is to get help. So the offense cannot be overlooked. Maybe they tried to talk it out together. The communication is just not happening. They they need help and they should seek the wisdom uh, in, in seeking out that help. Now, this alone is a really big step and is preferred over repeated poor attempts at winning the argument uh, or someone just trying to get their own way, your kids will naturally gravitate towards self-sufficiency and pride, right? I mean, your kids and and us too as adults, that is yep. that is how we are wired, unfortunately. And training them to see the wisdom and goodness of getting help and resolving an issue 
is proactively parenting for conflict. It should also be said that the initiative should come from the kids, right? We, we are training our kids to be able to identify when talking it out is not working. And so then they move to this next skill. It's, it's not a decision on behalf of the parent when it seems the first two skills are lacking. And usually that comes uh, when the parent realizes the volume is increasing and there's no resolution happening and they feel like they need to jump in the fray. Um, ideally, we want kids to be able to identify in that moment, hey, this, this is not working. Now, that, that seems a little pie in the sky, to be totally honest, right? I mean, you're thinking, when will my child do that? I think over time, as you continue to train and encourage and coach, that can happen. But oftentimes, you will be stepping into the fray to say, all right, let's, let's take a step back and let's look at the next skill that we need to talk through. And that skill actually has three steps, and they are coaching, mediation, and arbitration. All right. So coaching involves helping the child who has come, he's come to you for help. It just helps helps them know what to say and know how to say it because uh, in the moment they probably have some really big emotions and they're having a hard time assign, assigning words that are helpful. That's a way that you can help them. You can give them words. You can give them vocabulary that they can try um, because it's not about winning a dispute. It's about having actual communication, actually talking it out together. Right. So the first step there is one child coming to you you giving that coaching and them going back to the other child, utilizing that coaching to, to maybe take a step forward. But if that's not working, then the next step is mediation. And here, both kids are involved. And uh, according to Sandy in, in her article, she says, mediators help each person to listen more carefully and take responsibility for their own choices, as well as suggest options for solving a conflict. So both kids are there. They are sharing uh, and and listening to one another, and you are helping them listen well. You're helping them understand the other person. You're just kind of guiding that discussion. Mm -hmm. And finally, if mediation fails, you move on to arbitration. And here, both kids, they share their understanding of what happened, what the offense was, and the parent makes a decision, makes a ruling, uh, which the kids are expected to accept. Yeah, and sometimes in the heat of everything, we just jump right to this one and that's that's that that might get the desired ending which for many of us is just quiet in our homes right but it's not helping our kids grow and understanding how to resolve conflict and it's really not helping us either uh, in how to best train up and uh, disciple our kids so that's uh, those are the three skills um, let's close in prayer and then we will have our question Father, we are grateful and we're so thankful for your love for us that we who, um, Ephesians 2 calls your enemies, we offended you, we, we sinned against you, you came and you absorbed that sin on the cross so that we could know you and uh, be in a right relationship with you. And so we ask now that by your spirit, you would make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. That was great. We really hope that was hope, uh, helpful for you guys out there listening. Uh, as a reminder, uh, if you would like to submit a question, you can click the link in the show notes or look for the link in our OD Kids Weekly email. We would love to hear from you guys. Next week, we will jump back into a new Baptist catechism by looking at the first few questions in part three, which is going to be all about Jesus. 
as we've mentioned in previous episodes, if you need a copy of the catechism, you can buy one on Amazon or see our next-gen staff at Open Door. We will include a link to purchase the book in the show notes. All right, we've looked at the scriptures some, we've talked about conflict. Here's the question we want to leave you with. Parents and kids, talk together about how you currently respond to conflict. Is the response more of the judge, jury, and executioner model? Or are you currently practicing the skills discussed in this episode? What is a good first step to developing these skills? So again, we've talked about conflict. How are you currently responding to conflict? Is the response more a judge, jury, and executioner model? Or are you currently practicing the skills discussed in this episode? What would be a good first step to developing these skills?